to Emotive Victorious Red Voices this week. Richard James Besson run hand first to sift through wins against Brighton, Arsenal on that mad, mad draw with Burnley, before James and I reconvened to chat United's tight 1-0 victory over Leicester City last weekend. Of course, with that tasty run of fixtures on the horizon, it's time to look ahead to that first leg of our European Cup tie with Paris Saint-Germain too. Ah, well, let's get right to it. James, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Um, we're recording on the Thursday after the Burnley game, the draw against Burnley. But we've suddenly got an enormous amount to talk about. Um, we've had three games since we last put a pod out. Brighton game seems an awful long time ago and, and a lot's happened more noteworthy than that since. So do you want to kind of just summarise your conclusions from the Brighton game? Yeah, it does seem like such a long time ago. Um, good first half. I thought Brighton actually were quite bright in that game, pardon the pun, but they, I think they had this out ball to Lacardia quite often, which seemed to do them quite a lot of, quite a lot of good and kept us on our toes. Penalty came, Pogba put it away, sort of killed the game, and then that goal from Rashford really sort of quietened it all down. Second half, we were really poor though, let them back into it, and then, you know, just try to see the game out. So a different game, different challenges, but Three points, happy at the end, I suppose. It's interesting, but we'll obviously come on to the Burnley game later, but it seems that we, I suppose the, the Bournemouth game was a very, ultimately a very comfortable game, but we're, we're definitely facing different challenges at home mm. under Ollie than we are than we are away from home. Move on to the to the Arsenal game, which was really his second big test as, as United manager, and, and he made a couple of changes, particularly up front, bringing in Sanchez and and Lukaku, and I guess we we were wondering before that game as to whether they could both integrate effectively into to Solskjaer's system, and we saw essentially them playing as the split strikers that we that we'd had Rashford and Martial as mm-hmm. previously. I think generally speaking, went pretty well. I like, get overall, it was a very very positive performance again, and, and you know another really big hurdle passed by Solskjaer. What did you make of the performance? And- yeah, I was. It was interesting to see, you know, Lukaku. You know, he seems to be a bit. I don't know. A lot of people are still a bit out on him, but he, he chucked him on the right and he was working that channel quite nicely, I thought. You know, I'm trying to recall whether he played for Everton against Arsenal and caused problems in that position. But it seemed to work and it was it was a good out ball for us. You know, the goal from Sanchez was, uh, that's a great goal, really. And that's good work from Lukaku to find him, you know, as a link player. You know, for he was Iniesta, wasn't he, for 25 minutes. <laughs> for a like, moment. For it, well, yeah, maybe, for tw- <laughs> maybe for tw- let's say 25 minutes. You know, a lovely goal, really, from Sanchez. And um, literally, I was watching it back and it was, Arsenal then attacked from kickoff, lost it. Shaw made that bursting run out of the back. And I just think, oh, what are Arsenal doing? Piling so many men forward, it's just ridiculous, haven't they learnt? And then we got a second, and that was, you know, from there on in, I thought we looked quite comfortable. We looked rock solid. I thought Bailly played well. He was, you know, unspectacular, and that's actually a good thing. And uh, Lindelof was solid once again. Obviously, they scored just before half time, but I couldn't see them scoring a second. They had that one chance, was it uh, right on the start of the second half? Yeah, the head of the. Romero made a really, really fine save on him. Yeah, what a fine goal he is. And then, really, I was almost just waiting for the for everything to drop into the right place for us to score that third because it just looked like we were just going to hit them on the break at some point. And then, and then it happened, didn't it? So, game over. It was the most, well, we probably say it every year, but it was the most United Arsenal game ever. That we, hmm. you know, it's, it's, the, it's the same game we've seen God knows how many times at the Emirates over the last few years. It, it really surprised me how naive... Emery had been in the way he set his team up in that he'd seen us play at Wembley against Tottenham with those split strikers getting in behind two fullbacks that played extremely high up the pitch. Essentially, Arsenal just played into our hands again, didn't they? You know, 
different players playing those roles, but it with ultimately with the same the same impact. And mm-hmm. I thought what what was really interesting was that I've kind of been advocating for quite a while that Lukaku could do a decent job for us, sort of on the right, because I don't think he. I think we all probably agree that he doesn't hold the ball up as effectively as we would like as a centre forward, and he doesn't work hard enough or isn't mobile enough as a centre forward, particularly for this 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 new Solskjaer system which requires the front front three to do a lot of pressing a lot of running mm-hmm. and chasing so it was really interesting to see him actually be really effective out on that right hand side it made a lot of difference for United not being not being reliant on him as being the focal point in the in the attack I did think he lost his way he did lose his way second half I thought he was quite poor second yeah, half yeah. you know and everyone giving give him man of the match you know come on <laughs> I mean, wasn't. I mean, I, I'd, I'd have had Pogba every time. I think you know, Pogba has periods in games where he's quietly effective, but then often when games open up, he just he just explodes. And I thought that second half was was a perfect example of Pogba really just completely dominating the game. You know, United the first twenty minutes after half time, United were under quite a lot of pressure mm. without really looking like we we're going to concede. But we, we we'd lost a lot of ground. We dropped back towards the towards the keeper. And and Pogba was the guy who time and time again received the ball on the edge of his area and drove forward through the midfield and really set us away on the counter. And obviously it was it was him essentially doing that which led to the led to the third goal. And it was it was absolutely perfect for us that we had the opportunity to bring on Rashford and and Martial from the subs bench. I mean, you know, people have talked in the last few months about the the strengths or otherwise of the United squad. But it is a quite an incredible amount of depth to be able to to have two players like that on the bench to to bring on to finish a game, particularly away from home, where where we need to play. We, you know, we're playing largely on the counter attack. Mm. Yeah, I think to you, me, and most people, you know, bringing on Martial and Rashford at that point was the obvious thing to do. But it was probably not the obvious thing to do for Mourinho. Would it? It wouldn't have been. You know, he probably would have brought on, no. sat back, and sucked up a two-one. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Because because Mourinho would. We, we all know Mourinho would have started with Fellaini and. Matic in mid- or dominating in midfield, and we just mm. basically sat on the edge of our own area, hoofed it up to Lukaku, and you know, I mean, we we won last year and we played that way, but this was a very different game, wasn't it? Because because last year we Arsenal had an inordinate number of shots, and De Gea made some absolutely terrific saves. This time around, it was a different game, wasn't it? United United controlled that game far more than they did last year. Oh yeah, you know the one thing we'll come on to Burnley in a minute, but I think the one thing that's happening through all of these games is that, and as obviously it's happening, is that Solskjaer is learning more and more about the limits of different players in the squad. Mm. You know, it, it's obviously making him aware of what's needed going forward. So yeah, all of these things, you know, the win in Arsenal, you know, all these rubbishy second half against Brighton, the comeback the other night. All of these are actually quite positive things as well, aren't they? Because they're all things for him to learn, you know, and he's no, he's knowing more from his players and getting more from his players. Yeah, definitely. I mean, perhaps the Burnley game was is the one of the three which is which has taught him most about about his players. You know, he made, yeah, he, made he made some he made some changes, and there were quite you know there were there were two or three players in that in that lineup that just weren't able to to play the, the system he wanted to, and moving Rashford out to the left, and you know, it, it perhaps. Um, expose the some of the inadequacies of of Lukaku. Yeah, the balance of that the balance of that front three it just looked messed things up a bit, didn't it? Really, and Pereira just looked too slow and kind of static. And 
Yeah, it just didn't quite work. Part of the problem was I think you could see you could see the limitations of, of Lukaku as a as a centre forward. You know, he just wasn't he wasn't holding the ball up, he wasn't pressing as, as intelligently as we have. And we've had that, that front three with Rashford and with Lingard and then Martial on the other side who they're all able to to fly at the opposition defenders and really keep them on their toes and, and create mistakes. And Lukaku just isn't able to do that. I don't know whether it's I don't know whether it's a physical thing in that he's just too big and cumbersome and doesn't have the energy to do it, or whether he just isn't the sort of player who is driven to do that. I don't know. It's it's a difficult one, isn't it? And you know, as you, as you said with Pereira, you know, he's a guy we've, we've had a lot of hope for. But as you say, I mean, he didn't. He I think the stats afterwards, he he didn't recover the ball once he didn't win a tackle the, the entire time he was on the pitch and he was just he was just very, very ineffective in a creative sense as well you know whilst United were the better side in the first half we, apart from the the early Rashford chance we didn't really create a great deal no not at all I I still think Ollie is trying to find his perfect sort of um, starting lineup and system because at the moment I'm more confident about United away from home I have been yeah. for a while actually but I'm more confident in that system going to Leicester almost than they would be playing Leicester at Old Trafford at the weekend. I think that front three is so mobile and can hit people on the on the break is, is ideal, whereas at home, teams set up in a block and it becomes a bit more difficult. And we don't have the players, like Pereira isn't really good enough, I don't think, in that position. The Leicester game will be interesting in that, you know, they've, they, they're they a really weird team in that they've been quite successful against the, the stronger sides in the division, but struggled against the, against the lesser lights. And I think part of, I don't know if you saw the the Leicester Liverpool game last night, but essentially the way they've played in those games is to is to essentially just give the ball away, sit deep, you know, give the opposition the ball a lot, draw them out, and then try and counter, which I guess is how mm-hmm. they ultimately won won the Premier League title. But obviously we're going to we're going to Leicester as a team who have been very much a counter attacking team away from home as well. So I wonder if we'll see a, a strange sort of tactical battle in which both teams are trying to draw the other side out so that they can counter on them. It should be an interesting game. But where do you think we we went wrong against? Burnley and ended up 2-0 down against the side which didn't show an enormous amount of ambition. I don't know. I just I thought we played okay in the first half. I was watching this and in bits and pieces, so I thought there was some quite nice stuff. We missed, you know, Rashford missed an absolute sitter, didn't he, really? Yeah. Um yeah. and that would have changed the complete dynamic of the game then because obviously Burnley then have to come out. So, you know, missed a few and then it sort of died away second half. I can't, I don't know, I couldn't really put my finger on it, but I think we missed, we certainly missed Lingard. I think sometimes his, yeah. that mobility, even though he's sometimes been better away from home, I think we do miss his mobility. I think he's become a very important player for us. Battle on the right's an issue as well, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think that's just a, a bit that. You know, I just think that we've, how many times have we seen that and it doesn't really, it doesn't really work. I probably always say about Matter, apart from him being an insanely wonderful human being, mm-hmm. is that uh, where has he ever really fitted in the United? We, he, we've not really played with a pure 10 consistently enough for him to really have an impact there. And so he's often ended up playing, being played on the right. But we're now playing in a system which highlights his lack of pace even further because the front three are all required to press a lot. Um, and we're trying, to, we're trying to counter quickly. It's interesting. We've got a few players with whom we're... You know, either trying to negotiate new contracts or otherwise, and he's won. And we're in this interesting position where it seems like he's asking for a two-year deal, you know, which he's perfectly entitled to to ask for. Mm-hmm. Um, United are potentially only asking, uh, offering a one-year deal, which we tend to do with players over over the age of thirty. Do you think it's worth keeping him on, 
or should we be looking to just accept that he can't play the way we need him to play and that we need to move in a different direction? He's such a nice guy, isn't he? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think sometimes, you know, a year is probably going to be enough, I think, now. Lots of things are changing, aren't they? I think we're going to come on to sort of uh, Martial staying and uh, Fellaini going, but I don't know. I think he's got a... Ole seems to have a bit of a plan, and I know it's a plan which most fans would be delighted with, you know, getting remo- removing Fellaini and keeping, uh, keeping Martial, but... Mm. Um, I think, yeah, I, I'd give him, I think, I don't know about two. I think one is fine. And if he doesn't take it, well, you know, that's fine. You know, we've lost players in yeah. the past, haven't we? So I think one of the problems we've got, and people have been, you know, we've got this, this incredibly difficult spell of games in sort of mid, mid, from mid-February to, to, to mid-March. The PSG games and playing City and Chelsea and Liverpool and Arsenal, I think, and pe- people are getting very... Um, uh, well, don't, don't worry. Don't worry about Chelsea. That'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Um, but they, they're getting particularly excited about that. But I think what the Burnley, what the Burnley game showed us in particular is that for the way that Solskjaer wants us to play, we don't have any depth in the squad to actually do that. You know, the midfield. He made one change with Pereira. We don't have an alternative. If if he feels that he can't get anything out of Fred, we, we were without Herrera against Burnley, and I think that was very notable for, for his all-round game for his industry and and for his his drive as well kind of getting yeah. forward in the box-to-box role we're gonna if we're gonna be playing these really high level games twice a week I'm not sure that we have the squad at the moment to be able to to rotate at all and the danger we have and we saw in the second half is that Pogba seemed to pull up injured towards the end of the second half and he, he seemed to kind of run it off but then he was just limping on the way out and I think we're in a bit of a position at the moment where we've we've got key players who we just can't be without yeah I think Ollie has found his starting 11 and then it's it's sort of highlighted yeah I think it's highlighted that we need some we need a few more bodies don't we really what did you make of the of the comeback at the end I mean I was it was a really strange experience for me that I got to the end of the game and I was both exhilarated and slightly demoralized so it was a really a sort of you know a strange a really strange sensation do you do would you did you come out of that game with a feeling positive about what we'd done with the comeback or were you still frustrated that we'd lo- we dropped two points in a game we should perhaps be winning yeah i was uh, i was i was disappointed that obviously disappointed there was only a draw but actually to get a two all like that actually i ended up feeling more i got to admit, i ended up feeling more positive than i thought because a two nil arsenal were winning and well, I'm also wanting City to win at the moment, which is a really strange feeling. But yeah. So, and then you were just thinking, yeah, this this is not a good night. And then we managed to pull it back. And then, obviously, the the day after, then Chelsea dropped points, and all right, Spurs won, but Liverpool dropped points. So we ended up being not such a bad midweek in the end. And yeah. you know, we've you know at least for that last you know from 81 minutes on since they scored that saying actually it was like united of old wasn't it you know piling on the pressure not not putting their heads down just going for it and it was great i really enjoyed it so it it was it was it was, it was very similar to the um to the newcastle game wasn't it i mean, know some people was kind of saying well this is Solskjaer's united and pairing it to previous times and i as you well know i've been Mourinho's biggest critic but mm. you know it was a very similar uh kind of charge as, as as we had in that game but i thought i thought Solskjaer's subs are very good and, and just the way that we kept going till the end we absolutely kept going one of the one of the things that has really been highlighted in the last few weeks is the massive change in atmosphere amongst united fans in general and amongst united fans at games and i thought it was it was really noticeable how how noisy old, old draft was on mm. tuesday and yeah. how the, the noise noise at the end as united piled forward and it's not something we've 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 kind of got used to apathy 
I think mm. I had the sensation at the end when we went two 0 down, and even after I'd sort of calmed down and thought about it at the end, like a real frustration that we'd not won that game. Whereas two months ago, I'd have just been shrugging my shoulders and thinking of something I could do that I might enjoy that wasn't the toil of watching United. And, you know, it's just kind of typical of that that complete reversal. And and I think it feels at the moment, I, certainly from my perspective. We, I feel more positive, more alive by the idea of watching United probably than I have in the last five and a half years. Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, everyone's going on about, oh, it's good to have them playing well again and wanting to watch them. But, God, in the last 18 months of Fergie's reign, that wasn't much of a team to watch either, was it, really? I didn't no, find that. It, oh, I find it's a kind of a struggle on occasions. <laughs> some, still a very good team, don't get me wrong, but it's a, still a very good team in the sort of like the twilight of their career. But, yeah, it, was, it wasn't It was a great United team that he finished off with, was it, really? It was uh, It was a team that was, he rang every last drop of talent from it didn't he um mm. in any in any way that he he could possibly do and then you, you saw immediately i mean clearly Moyes was not even half the coach that, that fergie was but a lot of those players went you know started rolling down the hill afterwards but as you say yeah i mean it was certainly one of it was certainly one of fergie's most pragmatic teams and and we've still seen you know Trying to put the Tuesday in context, and even say the second half against against Brighton, we still had those games under Fergie. You know, for, we had we had games that that were really quite difficult to watch. All the Imperials, mm. we really we really you know I can remember midweek home games against all sorts of Premier League tat, and it, it really being a grind and just nicking it by a goal with terrible performance or you know dropping points here and there as well. So I think that we need to kind of put the loss of points against Burnley in, in context. But it, but it was nice. It was nice to to feel that degree of emotion about performance again. Yeah, it was nice, and yeah, it, it felt like United again, didn't it? Really? Yeah, it did, and and that's really been the, the way the last six seven weeks. I think. You know, if he keeps that momentum going, which will be difficult, but if he keeps that feeling going as well, then he's going to make it very difficult for the men in charge to to get well to get rid of him, but to sort of appoint somebody else, I suppose. I mean, if you, if you think about it, the the eight games he's managed I would have said that the, that the Burnley game was the first time he'd made a mistake in any regard at all to be honest in, in what he said in the ways set United up in team selections he's made you know he, he was all essentially almost perfect for, for seven games which is if you think about it completely ridiculous you know as we've, as we've said he's, he's still learning about his squad and about how he wants United to be and so I think you know fingers crossed but the Burnley game was just a bump in the road in terms of where we go from here we've seen two interesting pieces of news today. The first is the departure, not sure if it's entirely been finalised or not, of Marilyn Fellaini. Opinions seem to be quite mixed of this on social media. Some people seem to be revelling in the fact that he's finally gone and others are kind of saying you know, a bit harsh, he's he's give, given us a few important moments. Mm-hmm. Where do you yeah. Where do you stand on it? Latter, really. I think he's been, you know, at times he's, he's won us some important games, especially in Europe, it seemed, with last-minute headers and whatnot. But yeah, I think he just came to sort of represent to lots of people the United after Fergie, you know, that sort of interim period, and it didn't... And yeah, and unfortunately for him, you know, and there was a period, wasn't there, of like going back a few years where, you know, the crowd were booing, and that's never really happened at United. So it's disappointing. But yeah, I think, you know, a good Good luck to him. You know, I think he's he's done okay for United over the years, and there've been times where he scored some important goals. But no, I, I never felt he was a United player. That booing of Fellaini's, I think, pretty much the thing that's dismayed me most that I've seen or heard at, at a, a United home match. I don't recall ever hearing United fans booing a player no. um, at home, and it happened two or three times, and it's it, something that really didn't sit well with me at all. Lots of people 
made the made the point that he was always extremely professional, always gave his all. Mm-hmm. But he's just he's just kind of symbolic of the the direction this kind of transfer policy and managerial policy we've had since since Fergie left. I mean, someone pointed out that you know in one window we bought essentially the most pragmatic player we could have thought of in in Fellaini and, and also an artist in in matter. You know, which way are you going? Are you going to go? Are you going to go for for technique, or are you going to go for the tall guy you can you can chuck long balls up to? And I think it's noticeable that that we talk about that lack of strength strength in depth. That we've that we've got in terms of changing players and key positions, and one of the reasons for that, particularly in midfield, but to a degree up front as well, is that the players that are in reserve do not have similar qualities to the players that are starting. And Fellaini's clearly one of those. I mean, the the, the thing that's hardened me is on top of the performance, on top of everything else that's happened since Solskjaer's come in, it seems like either he or he and the club or whatever are suddenly making decisions that should have been made a long time ago about which direction the club was going to go in. And Mm -hmm. so whereas a few months ago, we've got Edward Ward, who clearly doesn't have any faith, didn't have any faith in Mourinho in the summer in terms of giving him his players, in terms of stopping him from selling Anthony Martial, but then giving a new contract to Fellaini, a two-year two year contract for a guy who was coming up to 30, who, you know, doesn't represent anything in terms of how United wanted to go forward. And I, I read astonishing thing I read today was that after that new deal, he was the third highest play, paid player at United, which is staggering, really. Mm. But what's, what's heartened me is that it seems like Solskjaer's come in and said, no, these guys cannot do it. You just need to get them out. We, we cannot go forward with them. You know, in a very short space of time, we've, we've got Fellaini out the door. It, it looks like Antonio Valencia has been sideline you know we've all been crying out for ages that you know Valencia's been increasingly poor at right back for quite some time and it looks like his physicality which is a thing that's made him such a, a dynamic player on that side of the pitch is just he's just failing him without that he hasn't really got a lot to fall back on and suppose you got you know some of the youth players who are suppose those are knocking on the door they're getting older aren't they they're getting a year older like Chong and Gomez and people like that so yeah, yeah I can I can sort of understand where things are going you know, and I think if that's the direction, you know, we're going to obviously have to spend in the summer at some point, and some people are going to have to go. You'd expect Darmian to go, wouldn't you? And Rocco, it shows the the mixed thinking that we gave Rocco a new contract in March when he wasn't fit to play, isn't especially good at football, has hardly played, was hardly picked, or has been fit to play since. It's just the, the most muddled policy. I mean, I suppose the, it's kind of. Ironic, really, that Woodward essentially bungled it by giving Fellaini a new contract in the summer, but he's remarkably come out probably having made, with the club having made a profit on the fact we gave him a new contract. But mm-hmm. in short, it certainly wasn't given with the intention of selling him, but it looks like we're only kind of getting the region of £10 million for him. On the flip side, we've also seen the news that Anthony Martial's renewed until 2024, I think, with, a, with mm-hmm. an option for a further year. That seems pretty symbolic in the, of the the change in direction that we're taking as well. Yeah, and hopefully that will mean a few more others then sign on the dotted line because it may be that De Gea needs to sign Pogba possibly an extension. You know, all these players then hopefully can come on board and we can have a good summer and then move into the next season feeling a bit more a bit more positive, whoever's in charge. <laughs> it feels now, it's absolutely staggering to think that in the summer we were looking at a manager that would happily have sold Anti Martial and replaced him with William. Kind of defied all, all logic, but that's one of my favourite things, I think, at the moment, is that we, it just seems like Solskjaer sees all the things that we see, that we're seeing, and we, they've just been put into practice straight away. I mean, there have been a few murmurs today amongst a few people of just slight discontent that we haven't signed any body this window no god i think evidence is that 
January summers like January signings aren't particularly pop, aren't particularly useful anyway. But fans always want people to sign, don't they? I, I mean, I think I think it makes sense, doesn't it? If we're if we're looking to install a director of football, then you'd hope that guy would have a significant amount of input in terms of players that we bring in in the summer. And if you know, mm. it seems like we, we we're intent on uh, trying to get uh, Koulibaly from from Napoli, who I would say probably is the the most talented centre back that I've seen that's at a club where you could realistically think about getting him, it will be for a huge amount of money. But after that, we don't seem to have any clear direction at the moment, which, so, you know, we have to kind of wait and see on that. Interesting today, actually, I've just, I was just reading now, we've been trying to, to sign another 16 year old from Monaco. And I don't know whether you've achieved that or not. <clears throat> just quickly, Leicester at the weekend. Is that on Sunday? What do you reckon then? Uh, well, if Pogba's fit, yeah, I'm going to fancy them away from home. Yes. You know, I think, I think you rightly said it's going to be a bit of, it might be a bit of a funny one. But um, record at Leicester's not too bad. We had that obviously that crazy game going back a few years ago under Van Hal. Um, but no, apart from that, I think our record's not too bad there. And yeah, I've got to think they can beat them. City have got Arsenal, haven't they? So and and I don't know who Chelsea have got. I think Chelsea have got City the game after that. Certainly in the next three as well. Yeah, City have got a big couple of games coming up, haven't they? Where um, hopefully we can put a dent in that. You know, we, we may be sitting here in two weeks' time and we're in fourth. So we're going to be um, we're going to be cheering. Oh, not cheering. Oh, God, we're going to be willing City on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> for double reasons, aren't we? We, yeah, we, be... we need City to win every game. I need to I'll beat be... Chelsea and Arsenal as well. <laughs> and I've been doing that for ages. It's game's bloody awful. But, but there Just we go. The scary, scariest thing is that we we are, we essentially need to be beating Liverpool. With, I think it's four or five games, isn't it? We need to be beating Liverpool, at Old Trafford to mm. really realistically stop their title charge which mm. is slightly stressful to think about um, yeah. <laughs> anyway thank you James no problem um, at all James I'm off the pod for one episode and we don't win what the hell yeah <laughs> sorry about that my lucky you should my, be man, my, my lucky run has um, has come to an end but hey ho yeah, yeah, eight wins. I mean, to be fair, I was out with the missus and her family last Tuesday. I was still getting updates on my phone from the ever-useful Manchester United app. Um, but also, um, my partner's father, uh, my partner's father is a Newcastle fan. Right. So he was sort of staring at me in disbelief and constantly prodding me to see how Newcastle were getting on last Tuesday. Gave me a very, very big man hug at the end of the evening when he realised they'd actually won. Yeah, it was a night of mixed emotions because I thought, oh, we are losing and then City were losing as well because, you know, I don't, I, I'd rather City win than Liverpool in the league. And then we ended up with a draw. I felt quite good about it. And then the following night, results went our way as well. So it didn't, it ended up being, a half decent week when it looked like it was going to be a disastrous week. So not too bad in the end, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think sometimes, especially in the Premier League, the results kind of even themselves out to a certain extent, mm. don't they? And I think the fact that we'd gone, what, eight games, six of those league games without a defeat, I mean, even a draw, to get through that entire fixture list without so much as dropping any points whatsoever was really impressive. Yeah. And you can perhaps look back, look back to the Brighton game, perhaps, as an example of where arguably in another circumstance because we dropped off so much in that second half it could have cost us mm. and I guess that was kind of the thing against Burnley to an extent where we you know having seen the highlights and gotten the general gist of the game from you know Twitter and match reports it seemed like we missed that first chance and then we were just trying too hard and then you know various bits and bob collided but again great that we actually managed to get back to parity despite the fact that we could probably have gone on and won it had the ref not blown up so early no I think yeah and <sighs> You know, I think we all look back on the Ferguson era with rose-tinted specs, but, you know, there were times where we played rubbish for Fergie and got games back and, you know, times where we lost. But 
So, you know, it's all just a learning process for Solskjaer, isn't it? And and uh, and the team. So, yeah, it, it ended up being a, a half-decent evening in the end. I mean, I guess as well, with Liverpool playing Leicester on the Wednesday night, you know, I was watching that with several friends, and especially a Chelsea fan as well. That was hilarious, because every time a goal went in and we were watching it with Sky Sports News on one screen, and then the actual Liverpool-Leicester game on another screen, I just kept prodding him every time Bournemouth scored a goal. That happened a lot in the second half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very that much was an enjoyed extra- that. extraordinary game. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, considering the fact that they then went at home to Huddersfield, you expect them to win that. But then 5-0 after a 4-0 drubbing away at Bournemouth, that's not bad. But yeah, speaking specifically about the Liverpool-Leicester game, I guess the interesting thing coming into that match was, you know, Liverpool were expected, essentially, to waltz through them. And, you know, I was in the bog when that first goal went in, and I knew what that cheer was about. Mm. Um, And I guess the interesting thing coming into the rest of that game was... Especially as that second half were on, you'd argue that Leicester probably had the better chances to win it, or at least the one decent chance. Liverpool did a lot of huffing and puffing, and it's to Leicester's credit that they didn't really look like conceding, even as the match got into the end, the end stages. To be honest, I didn't really see a huge amount of that game, but I, I spoke to a friend of mine who's a, a Liverpool fan. I, I still speak to him, but um, and uh, <laughs> why? And he said, <laughs> yeah, he said Leicester probably deserved it, you know, second half, which is just thinking, gosh, blimey. I did find that quite amusing where they, they cleaned, they sort of, uh, they cleared the snow or the frost or whatever it was from one goal mouth, but not the other. Great sportsmanship, that. Oh, yeah, absolutely <laughs> stunning. I mean, someone posted a thread of the amount of times that Klopp has blamed the weather for Liverpool not getting the right result. You know, I'm not really one for conspiracy theories, but seriously, just sort yourself out, mate. Mm. Moving swiftly on to yesterday's game at the KC Stadium. I mean, I guess coming into the game, considering that Leicester had had this very weird run over the last couple of months where, you know, managed to dig out results against City and Chelsea, lost to Cardiff, but then managed to get a draw at Anfield. You know, you look at those games. In terms of the big teams, we drew against Chelsea, we lost against City, and we lost at Anfield. So they've done better than we have in all three of those situations. Mm. So you come into the context of actually going to play them at home. And you could say, despite the fact that they have had some rather rubbish results of late, it was actually a pretty decent win to come out of Leicester with that victory. And it wasn't the sterling performance by any stretch of the imagination. Now, I guess it was the reverse of Burnley in the sense that we started off quickly, got our ball within 10 minutes. And then, you know, the second half again wasn't pretty viewing and quite similar to the Brighton game in the sense that we just struggled to sort of tie things together. And we could arguably have conceded in that second half as well, but we just about had enough to get the job done. Yeah, I think we started, I think that first, well, 15 minutes or so was as good as I've seen under Solskjaer I thought we were quick and bright and I think Leicester were giving us quite a lot of room and they were actually attacking us a little bit more than I thought but we were quick bright a couple of early chances Rashford had that chance didn't he after like four minutes where he headed it over the bar and I thought well you know it actually when it when it happened I didn't think it was all it was um an easy chance but then you looked at the replay and thought oh actually you should have scored that and then you start to think oh is it going to be one of those days and then the goal was a cracker wasn't it you know, the pass that first touch from Rashford is just golden just put his foot through it 1-0 and then we started we had another good five minutes or so and then it just sort of died away they look I don't know it just they just I think maybe Leicester changed how they were kind of approaching the game and we sort of just let them come back into it a little bit yeah I mean I guess Leicester's approach in those games has typically been we'll let the opposition have a lot of the ball and we'll try and hit them on the break Mm. and I guess partially because in that sort of opening part of the game we were doing so well with possession looking so dangerous they didn't really get the opportunity to but I guess as the game wore on and they got more and more of the ball the onus was really on them to create and then we try and hit them on the counter and the problem is is that due to whatever reason maybe it was personnel based our attack just really wasn't clicking after that first goal but I guess you know we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves 
That goal, four touches after Pereira gave the ball away. Mm. Poor pass away. Pogba one touch. The amount of time between Pogba taking that touch and just chipping it, the vision there is absolutely stunning, isn't it? And yeah. what a finish by Rashford. Yeah, it's just a simple... You know, it looked simple, didn't it? It looked like something you they would do in a training. It looked so simple, but it's such a difficult thing to do. You know, the pass was perfectly weighted. You know, the first touch is just exactly where it needs to be. And then up for that, it's mm. just, a, you know... You know, any finish like that is, it's, it's always easy to say, yeah, you should be finishing that, but you still got to do it. And I think actually that's where Rashford has improved, I think, in the last month or two in that sort of situation. All in all, that is a great goal, a good start, happy days. I don't know. We, we did have some poor performances though, I think, in that game. I think Ashley Young was poor. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think just one more thing about Rashford in that game, mm. the touch to take the ball down after Pogba's chip. It's this amazing touch where he's basically tried to cushion the ball whilst pulling his foot away from it. Yeah. So it's basically just landed on the tip of his toe. Mm. It was stunning work. And then to get the ball away as it was bouncing, it was such a wonderful finish. And I guess that's a real sign of a guy playing with a massive amount of confidence. You know, he's he's certainly taking on everything that Solskjaer is giving to him in terms of advice and strategy, in terms of how to finish at the minute. We always knew Rashford knew how to finish, but it's in those moments, especially in the Premier League, where you really don't get that long to dawdle on the ball. He's just got such focus and confidence. And I think the thing is, he's, he's although he's playing as our central striker, he's sort of like playing all all across that front line. Well, I think all our top three are just playing really where they want to play, almost. There's times where they've got structure, but there's a lot of time where they're free to roam. And, you know, Martial, when he's playing, or Sanchez, when he was playing, is coming inside. So, yeah, I think it's just, I think it's probably just telling them, just go out and enjoy yourselves, fellas. You know, it's as simple as that. And Rashford, Rashford's benefited from that a lot. Lukaku's probably worried, isn't he? <laughs> um, I mean, he's worried even the term. It's just he's being kept out of the side at the minute by a guy who is just oozing confidence yeah. and just absolutely lethal in front of goal. And he's just on the end of almost or involved in every single good thing that we're doing when we're going forward. Yeah, You look at the range of goals that he's scoring as well. He can create something out of nothing like he did at home against Brighton. He can get that goal like he did against Spurs. And again, in a similar way, it was Pogba with a couple of touches, letting Rashford go, got just enough space to get the shot away, Mm. and he's firing it past the keeper. It's difficult to see how Lukaku really worms his way back into the side as the leading man. I mean, realistically, if Rashford keeps on playing like this and scoring like this as regularly as he is at the moment, simply put, it doesn't happen. You know, I think there's a couple of players in particular, Sanchez is another, who at the minute I'm still more than willing to give the benefit of the doubt for in the sense that, you know, he was one who struggled more than others in terms of struggling for confidence and for form and for really trying to figure out where they fit in this United setup under Mourinho. Yeah. But since Sanchez has come on, he's not really one who's really reaped the benefits of actually being given a bit more freedom and that increased confidence. You know, Sanchez in particular was really off it yesterday. He just didn't seem that connected with any of the good things we were doing. I think, again, you've got a couple months where you can sort of see him slot in. Of, of the two, out of him and Lukaku, he's the one that you can see more naturally fitting into what we're trying to do in that front three yeah. and with Pogba just behind them. But regardless, yeah. yeah, Lukaku at the minute, and especially when he comes on, you know, we've seen a couple of games, you know, he, he didn't look great mm-hmm. against Burnley. When he came on against Spurs, he didn't really offer anything. And again, that game yesterday, he came on and didn't really have a positive effect. We'll get on to looking ahead to the next couple of games because United have got a fascinating next five or six weeks on the horizon. But yeah, I mean, I guess it, it, we know roughly now what Solskjaer's starting eleven is, give or take a couple of, a centre-back or two. But I think we know roughly what we're going to see in the midfield and we know what is arguably our best front three. 
You know, it's going to be Lingard, it's going to be Martial, it's going to be Rashford, and the midfield is Pogba, Herrera and Matic. That's not really going to change when it comes to playing the big games. If everyone's fit and firing, that's who Solskjaer is going to pick. But yeah, I mean, I think the slightly alarming factor is that we've seen this chopping and changing with the attack, and it has worked out in some occasions. You know, I think Lukaku and Sanchez actually played pretty well against Arsenal, and that worked because we were playing on the front foot on the attack so much. You know, we were doing so much countering in that first half in particular, and especially the second when we had the lead, and we just waited for the opportunity to pick them off. That worked in our favour quite nicely. In this game, where we were forced to sort of build attacks a little bit more, especially in the second half, it really didn't work out. It just looked so disjointed. There's another sort of element of it as well. I've noticed, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I think one of the instances that I do think we need to spend a little bit more focus on, and this could just be direction from the manager, it's those occasions where we get sort of three to four players swarming forward with the defence on the back foot. It's There's this impetus to shoot from distance, which is fine. You know, we weren't doing that much under the previous manager. There's nothing wrong with shooting and trying, but I don't think we're utilising the options on the flank as much as we should be, or necessarily the players that are going up. No, I think I do think that's the one thing that's happened in quite a few of these games, is that we've been just giving the ball away and at the last moment our last final pass has been kind of poor you know that maybe just comes with familiarity and playing in a system possibly but it also comes with maturity doesn't it but um, yeah I think you know Leicester did come back into it but the only way I could see them really scoring was from a set piece possibly from open play they were they were quite poor weren't they even in the second half when we didn't do a huge amount most of their joy came down their left hand side yeah the side that we had Young on and but they didn't really. It didn't really do a lot, you know. They didn't really do a lot. Even in the second half, they didn't do a lot. They had a few chances, and then I think it was at Maguire right at the end again, um, as he did last uh, last as he did last season. Had that chance where Young was ball watching. The ball went in behind, and he missed it. So, yeah, I think that was that was pretty much the last kick of the game. But it, a win's a win, isn't it? And sometimes. You know, Solskjaer said afterwards, you're not always going to play superstar football all the time. And sometimes you need to grind out wins. What he needs to do now is trying to make sure that good spell of 15 minutes is lengthened out to 30 minutes or a first half. So they can put two or three past opponents and then close it all up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the big thing for that game in particular was that, I don't know if you remember, but we've got the world's best goalkeeper. So that also helps in these situations. Yeah, I've just got used to that, you know. Oh, yeah, he's the best. He's going to save most stuff, you know. (laughs) (laughs) the reach for that Gezel free kick towards the end as well was superb Mm. you know and it's one of those things where in particular as you said there you are just confident in him saving it it's almost a surprise if you see a shot like that heading towards goal and you think oh Dave's not saved that it's weird you know eight out of ten goalkeepers in the world don't save that free kick it was going right into the top corner it was so superbly well struck and again you know we've got to point out that had Leicester equalised we wouldn't have been hard done by. We were riding our luck to an extent. No, we no, were no. not playing particularly well. No, you were no, talking no. right about Ashley Young. He was really struggling down that right flank. It was a bit haphazard, I think is the best way to say it. Because I don't think sloppy is really the term. I just think United in particular in the last sort of 10, 15 minutes, they just seemed to tire. Yeah, and they again, did. There they, was yeah. that moment from Pogba where he just sort of breezed through everyone and sort of took the pressure off. And I think, you know, our game management is getting there to a certain extent. We are able to sort of grind out these results a little bit better than we have been. Yeah. Certainly in the previous regimes. But you're right. I think the big thing is we need to sort of start getting these bursts of power and form and threat into longer periods because 
you know, the first, as you said, 10, 20 minutes, we were great. After that, we dropped off. And, you know, if we keep allowing those situations to happen, especially with the games we've got coming up, we mm. could find ourselves in some real trouble. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Also, how the hell did Mendy not get sent off? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, ugh, yeah, I'm not going to go into it. I'm not, that's an old, it's just this, yeah, it's the same old story, isn't it, refereeing? I'm not getting involved in that. Okay. Well, I will. Well, you can. Fill your boots. I'm not... I'm, uh... Mike Dean, you fraud. I mean, twice. That one with Pogba when he was running through the middle. Yeah. I didn't notice it at the time, but that is as blatant as it gets. They did it on Herrera again. I know. I don't know what... I'm guessing Puyel just thought, yeah, I'll just take him off because he's going to get sent off at some point soon. But good grief. You talk about riding your luck. That was pretty rough yeah well he wasn't he, uh, well it was off the ball so you've got to give him some you know but yeah there were some pretty poor challenges and it was just a little bit yeah it was kind of poor yeah i mean for matic balance you know let's talk about the fact that he put studs in on someone's thigh when he was on the yellow card so he was a little bit lucky to get yeah away yeah, yeah. That, he was a bit lucky but um hey ho happy days so we move on. I mean, I guess the, the results in the last couple of weeks, despite that draw against Burnley, have sort of fallen in our favour to a certain extent. You know, we sit fifth, isn't it? I know. <laughs> it's... That amazing period that we had in Mourinho's first season. I know. Where we didn't lose for a long time, but stayed <laughs> yeah. sixth the entire time. I know. It was miserable, wasn't it? I remember that. I can just... <laughs> Are we ever going to get anywhere? And yeah, and it's been the same recently, isn't it? We've been clawing it back, clawing it back. But, you know, I'd be amazed if we don't finish above Arsenal. Yeah, Chelsea have... Uh, got a good win so they're they're probably still going to be a little bit up and down so and we've got them at home so yeah you've got to fancy United to finish fourth I think I think there's a good chance of that I think there's a good chance of that but it just all depends you know if if Pogba gets injured next week and somebody loses some form sorry I'm touching wood here it's okay I think I think they've got a good chance I think a good chance yeah, I mean, watching City and Arsenal yesterday, that once that second Aguero goal went in, it was the most Arsenal of all the Arsenal performances. It was just it was way too easy for City. There's just I appreciate the changes that Emery has made, and I do think he has had a positive effect to a certain extent. But eliminating the Arsenal from Arsenal is going to be very, very difficult mm. because ultimately I still think that is a very flimsy side from top to bottom in many aspects. Yeah, you know, and I think they didn't really create anything of note you know City looked more likely to get a third or a fourth or a fifth and Arsenal looked close to equalising yeah, and yeah. in particular you, you would you we have to finish above them now we have got top to bottom a better team than they have yeah. and we're in better form you know obviously form is temporary and we can't keep this you know winning slash drawing streak up forever but regardless you know you would really bet on us to do something that would be mo- much marginally better than what they're going to accomplish this year you know, by the time we play Fulham on Saturday, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But if we do get a result out of that, we could be sitting pretty and forth by the time Chelsea play City on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, exactly. And we got yeah, and we got some. Well, we've got all the biggies at home, haven't we? We've got Chelsea at home, we've got City at home, Liverpool at home. So, how do you think Solskjaer should approach that Fulham game, James? Especially with PSG three days later. You know, it's a it's a tough one to juggle, isn't it? Yeah, it is a tough one. I'm more confident with us away from home at the moment. I think the style that we play is, is more suited sometimes to that away fixture. But is he going to swap it around, give people a bit of a rest? Possibly. I think maybe he'd like to try and get it wrapped up early and then he could bring people off like Ferguson used to do. You know, he used to get a game one and then try and bring people off. I think that's going to be a tougher game than a lot of people think, actually. Yeah, I think if he, he might make a few changes, but not at the back. I wouldn't have thought he'd make any changes at the back. He might make changes and move it forward. But Martial will probably get games, wouldn't he? Because he's only just come back from some kind of injury, so he's probably going to start, I would think. I would almost be tempted to give Lukaku and Sanchez another try out front with Martial because 
Lingard's been playing in form, Rashford's been playing in form, and I would want to protect them both from starting for for the PSG game, essentially, and try and give them a little bit of a rest. As much as I'd like to give Pogba a little bit of a rest too, I don't really think you can take him out of the side straight away and just maybe bring him on the bench, because ultimately you're putting the result at risk because we just don't have enough creativity in the middle of the park. Simple as that, really. I mean, the back four, you would be tempted to maybe take Young off because he just looked completely done for most of that game. You know, in the first half, he just didn't look on it at all. You know, almost mm. everything that he tried just didn't come off. So I'd be tempted to give him a bit of a rest. And then, you know, maybe keep buying Lindelof, though. They look pretty solid in the middle of that defence yesterday. So just to round off, because we're not going to be doing an episode prior to that first leg against PSG. I mean, ever since that draw was made back in December, we looked at that and thought, well, that's probably one of the worst draws we could have gotten. You know, we admired very much in the... Mourinho mindset at that point and you know there we were 26 points from 17 games fast forward uh 10 games later eight league games 22 points to the good you know we've had a massive turnaround in these last few months it's not even two months since he's joined up ridiculous I guess how has your thinking changed for this PSG tie in comparison with where it would have been around the start of December when it was first drawn where do you think we're at? Well, if we rated out of 10, I think the chances of us progressing initially would have been 4 out of 10. And now I'm thinking maybe, gosh, we could be nudging a 7 or an 8. Because I think they've got they've lost Neymar. We're hitting form. Phelan and Ollie went to see them last night in their winter attire. And, and apparently they did play very well as well. So, I don't know. It's it's. I think I'd have... Do we rather having the first leg at Old Trafford? Is that is that the best way? I'm never really sure about the first leg. Where's the best time to have the first leg? At home or away? I know. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, the fact that we got knocked out by Sevilla at Old Trafford last season leads me to think that I'd much rather get the possibility of away goals out of the way. So then we know wherever we go in the second leg, we know yeah. what we have to do. I don't know. I mean, Neymar being out is a big miss. But the thing that I just always keep coming back to when it comes to PSG and the knockout stages of the Champions League, and this has been ever since they got all the money pumped into them, because they've got no real competition in Liga, it's the perpetual sense of what this team can do when they actually come up against a high-calibre opponent who is playing in a very competitive league. How do they cope with it? And typically, over the course of the two legs... They've not done. They've not dealt with it. They've not been able to get through. They might have had one decent leg. I think they did pretty well against Real last season and then mm. screwed it in the second. So it, you don't really know what you're going to get with that team. You know, Mbappe is definitely going to be a massive worry for us. So it's one of those games where you want, you know, our somewhat faltering defensive screen, Emmanuel Matic, to have a decent game. A man-marking job for Herrera. But regardless, you know, I mean, I can't remember the last time I've been so excited about a European tie. Oh, no. Under United. I mean, even when, you know, maybe even Bayern, but that was more out of sort of a wild, misplaced hope than any real sense of expectation yeah. about what we're actually no, going no, to see. No, I agree. I agree. And I was saying this to Rich the other day, actually, about, you know, some, some, even United in that final season with Ferguson were functional, weren't they? And they weren't massively entertaining to watch. No, I think, you know, the pair of European ties there are going to be, you know, should be fun, shouldn't they, again? You know, and interesting to watch because all the good European games I've been watching recently haven't included United in them. So it's just been, uh, <laughs> yeah. So no, it'll be good. I'm looking forward to that. I, I think we've got a chance. You know, I think we've got a chance. I think PSG are going to be more worried about us now than they certainly they would have been when the draw was made, and that's 
tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's all you can ask for in the way that, you know, PSG will be taking a sterner look at where we're at right now in comparison to where they would have been if a certain other manager was in charge. The landscape of that tie has changed completely as far as I'm concerned. You know, I think United are a much more different proposition and a much more dangerous one at that. Are their defence more worried about our attack than, than our defence are worried about theirs? Possibly. Well, it's an option for a lot of players to step up, really, yeah. isn't it? You know, Pogba must be relishing this chance. You know, I can see him having an absolutely fantastic time playing against his PSG side. He'll be motivated. I'm sure the other players will be as well. You know, there's always something special about playing at Old Trafford in these European nights. And, you know, if we can't raise ourselves this occasion, then what are we even doing here? You know, I'm sure they'll be up for it. I'm sure they'll be prepared and I'm sure they'll be fighting fit. You know, I think in comparison with Sevilla last season where the side was almost gripped Mm -hmm. with fear and had this very restrictive negative approach essentially which just seemed to be grind out a one goal victory and make sure yeah. you go through United's approach that this occasion I'm sure is just going to be night and day you know you would expect us to be cautious to an extent because we don't want to get blown away and concede a load of away goals but it will be positive you know it will be attacking and I'm sure we can do some damage if we you know keep our fingers crossed and make sure we set up the right way yeah and I think our game management's got to be you know on completely on the money isn't it because you play mm. two legs, it's it's a completely different dynamic. So I think, yeah, I think I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, a really noisy old Trafford would be good, wouldn't it? Big, big test for Solskjaer. Let's see how he gets on. Right, James, cheers for your company tonight. No problem at all. Good to see you. Speak to you. Good to I... hear me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no problem, mate. Well, guys, that'll do it for this week. Thanks very much for joining us. And don't forget, as if you ever could, you can get us all over the internet. You can get me at you and Lennox. You can get James at, at OS190. You can get Rich at, at RichardCan76. The pod at Red Voices MUSC and our blog at redvoices.net. Have yourselves a superb week. We'll be back after PSG. Cheerio. Hold up. 